This episode of The Amazing Nerd Show is sponsored by Podcorn. Christian, we know life as a podcaster isn't easy. Monetizing your small independent podcast can lead to nothing but heartbreak and frustration. We didn't even know the first place to start and how to approach these companies. But then we found Podcorn, a marketplace connecting podcasters to amazing podcast sponsorship opportunities, such as host read ads, interview segments, topical discussions, and more. Damn it, with Podcorn, there is no middleman. Podcasters of all sizes can browse and choose opportunities right on the platform set their own rates, and collaborate with brands directly without any exclusivities. You never give up any rights to your podcast, and Podcorn is here to support you at every step and ensure you're protected and compensated for the work that you do. And Christian, I love their mission statement. To give podcasters transparency, creative freedom, and full control of how and when they monetize. Click the link in our show notes to sign up for Podcorn and start browsing sponsorship opportunities today. Podcorn, connecting unique voices to unique brands. Nerds, it's time to suit up and nerd up. Launching badass rockabilly track. Now calling on the X-Men for aid. Time to save the world with some wrestling, video games, movies, horror, and more. Launching ANS in 3, 2, 1. Welcome to the Amazing Nerd Show. Hey, this is Christian. Hey, this is Damon. And this is the Amazing Nerd Show. All right, on this week's show, we're breaking down the latest episode of WandaVision and reviewing the horror film The Vigil and the remake of the cult classic Wrong Turn. Plus, we discuss some of the biggest headlines in this past week in wrestling. That's right, and of course, on Christian's Corner, we're going to be talking video games, more specifically GTA V. All right, but before we move on, make sure to subscribe to us on your favorite podcast platform. And while you're at it, give us a five-star review and DM us a screenshot. Not only will we read it on the show, but we'll send you some amazing Nerd Show swag. So this week's review is over on Apple Podcasts. Uh, It comes from Ty Jameson. Uh, He says, awesome podcast. I hate that I found this podcast so late, but better late than never. Everything I love, now I can really enjoy working. Just drown everyone out and put my AirPods on. Hashtag boss. Hell yeah. Thank you for checking this out. Yes, thank you so much. And Ty, if you DM us your address, we'll send a little show merch your way. Let's get into the news. Every week we collect the biggest headlines and rumors of nerdum. We're not mild-mannered reporters. We're mere podcasters with opinions. All right, first up, we have some huge rumors for the X-Men coming to the MCU. So according to the Luminerdy, sources say that Marvel Studios president Kevin Foggy is producing a new feature film titled The Mutants, which will serve as an X-Men reboot introducing the mutant superhero team to the MCU. And that's all we really know at this time. I've got to believe that that's like a working title. I just can't imagine with having like a brand name like the X-Men at their disposal that they would call like, you know, their introduction into the MCU anything but, you know, the X-Men. Maybe it's like a subtitle or something where it's like the mutants, you know, uh, X-Men rise or, you know, something generic like that. But I just feel like it's got to be labeled X-Men something. But what the hell do I know, right? Um... Yeah, and I'm guessing that the story is going to be similar to First Class, where it's just going to be an origin story of, like, Professor X putting the team together and just really, like, establishing the team in the MCU. 
and the whole concept of mutants for that matter. So Damon, do you think they will go with the traditional X-Men team, like the first one that they did, or you think they'll, you know, throw in kind of like the hits? Um, I'm guessing probably the hits. I mean, the original team is like Cyclops, Jean Grey, Iceman, Beast, and Angel. Uh, it's a pretty boring team, if you ask me. I know that's sacrilege to some, but <laughs> that book did get canceled, you know, uh, before they introduced the all-new, all-different X-Men. Hmm. Uh, so I feel like they're going to go with probably the greatest hits. You'll get Storm, you'll get Wolverine, Cyclops, and so on. So it only makes sense. I mean, I'm down for whatever they put out at this point. <laughs> oh, I agree 100%. Yeah, anyone except for Maggot. I mean, fuck that guy. Okay, I, I don't know much about this guy. He's got like <laughs> giant maggots that come out of his arms. Ew, it I, sounds yeah. a lot you know, weirder and cooler than it really is, though. <laughs> yeah, well, fuck that guy, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, up next we have some casting news coming to the Star Wars series Andor. All right, so the Illuminati are at it again. Uh, they're reporting that Obi-Wan will have a reoccurring role on the Andor series. We know both series are filming this year uh, for Disney+, Plus, uh, but, you know, maybe Andor serves as kind of a setup for Obi-Wan series, especially since it's supposed to debut first. If anything, I would I would expect it to maybe be like a cameo, hopefully not like a big role on the series. You know, I, I, I don't want them to over-explore Obi-Wan. You know, I feel like they're going to, like, show us maybe a little too much of what's going on in his in his time that doesn't make sense for you know what he did between or why he was on Tatooine for so I don't know man it, there's a I have a lot of questions for the Obi-Wan series and we'll get there when we get there I guess no I agree I think it's probably going to be along the lines of Ahsoka's like you know appearance in uh, Mandalorian you know where yes. it's just like one episode you know it serves the story but it also sets up like his show at the same time exactly just give me a hello there and I'm good we also have some casting rumors for Captain Marvel 2. So GWW uncovered a casting description for the upcoming sequel to Captain Marvel. So the casting call is saying it's looking for a John Boega or Michael B. Jordan type, uh, you know, between the ages of 20 to 30. Uh, you know, and there's no other further details given. Now, a lot of people are speculating that they could be casting for the role of Blue Marvel, who's long been rumored to be joining the sequel. Um, that makes sense, except for the Blue Marvel is quite a bit older in the comic books, but I mean, they could always change that to, you know, fit what they want for the film. Uh, the Blue Marvel is a character that does have a lot of history with Captain Marvel and uh, Monica Rambeau. Uh, he's part of a group called the Ultimates with them in the comics that focus on galactic and extra like dimensional problems. So I guess only time will tell. We also have a Blade casting rumor. Yeah, so we've got a report from the Diz Insider saying that the production is actively casting a character named Ruby, a teen that's said to be thoughtful, serious, and burdened by growing up in a complex world. Aren't we all? Uh, <laughs> this uh, could be possibly a codename, though, for Blade's daughter, Fallon Gray. But as always, we don't have any further details. We did learn recently that uh, Watchmen scribe Stacey O.C. Kufor is working on the script, which is great news because The Watchmen is an awesome show. And this is also great news because that means Blade is well into pre-production and I desperately need some more Blade in my life. Well, yeah, when when is that slated? 
Uh, supposedly 2022, but with everything going on with the pandemic, who the uh-huh. fuck knows at this point? <laughs> <laughs> but hopefully sooner than later. Well, also in horror news, it seems Silent Night, Deadly Night is getting a remake. All right, so Deadline's reporting that a new take on the franchise is coming courtesy of Oro Studios and Black Hanger Studios. Scott Snyder and Dennis Whitehead, who produced the original Silent Night, Deadly Night, are back on board. Uh, and they're quoted as saying the continued desire for horror content and the ongoing success of the genre meant it was the perfect time to be able to offer up this chilling revival of an iconic title. So I think this is fantastic news because the original is not only one of my favorite slasher films of all time, but it's also one of my favorite Christmas movies of all time. I'm just hoping that they find a way to combine the stories of both like Billy and Ricky, because uh, I also love the shit out of the sequel for all the wrong reasons, of course, just because it's so awful and quotable. I mean, and it's a must watch during the holiday season. I mean, every day is garbage day in December, goddammit. So make this happen, please. All right, well, we're already here. It's time for some WandaVision talk. Spoiler alert. Spoilers for WandaVision ahead. You have been warned. Let go of my children. Oh, yes. Your children. Vision. This whole little life you've made. This is chaos magic, Wanda. And that makes you the Scarlet Witch. So I was absolutely not prepared for this episode. It was the equivalent of a fucking emotional kick to the balls uh, as we get to go on this like Charles Dickens like tour of Wanda's like past traumas. But even though it wasn't what I was expecting, I love where the show took us. And it's really what I wanted all along. And I think it was like the most interesting choice for, you know, who was behind everything that was happening in Westview. I mean, which, regardless of what the song says, it ended up being fucking Wanda all along. Yeah, I wasn't prepared for, like, Wanda actually have to go through the motions of her past selves and stuff like that. Like, I thought, if anything, it'll just be them walking through the scenes and, like, talking them out. But what we got was, you know, Wanda's actually reliving all these moments and having to deal with the grief all over again of what all these things that happened to her. I was definitely taken aback by that, and getting to see this was a great way of, like, kind of getting a kind of origin around her. Yeah, no, and I love that we got to experience all these traumas firsthand. Yes. So we start off with a different origin story, and that's the origin story of Agatha, at least part of it. Uh, mm. We flash back to Salem. We find her being about to be burnt at the stake by her coven, you know, which includes her mother, uh, for practicing black magic. It's a real cool scene as we witness just like how powerful she is as she like sucks the life force out of all of them. Um, I will say, though, I do feel like there's more to the story than we're really seeing. Yeah, absolutely. But that's pure speculation, and we'll talk more about that at the end. Uh, we go back to modern day as Agatha demands to know how Wanda's doing what she's doing. As she explains, it really shouldn't be fucking possible. Uh, that's when our journey through the past begins, as Agatha tries to get to the root of, like, everything that's happening. Uh, we first flash back to the scene uh, described in Age of Ultron with the Stark bomb dropping on her family home in the middle of war-torn Sokovia. Uh, it's just moments before her family's about to sit down and watch an episode of the Dick Van Dyke show, one of Wanda's favorites. Uh, we discover that these old sitcoms were her family's kind of like happy place and something they enjoyed doing together. 
which explains why Westview is kind of this like living, breathing version of these shows. It really is like Wanda's idea of utopia and her like escape through like difficult times in her life as we, you know, travel further into like, you know, all of her past, you know, traumas. So, uh, you know, but I love that aspect. Uh, Tony really needs to not put his name on missiles, though. Yeah, like, why? <laughs> First of all, what's the point of that? I know. <laughs> Talk about a douchebag. Like, why would you want to, like, I don't know, brand this, like, weapon of destruction? I have no idea. That's immediately what I was thinking. I was like, man, imagine how much trouble it would have gotten him out of if he just didn't put fucking Stark Industries on the side of every missile. Like, who's he <laughs> advertising to? The victims? Like, it's just a bizarre choice, but whatever. Um, obviously, it worked for him. Uh -huh. um, bigger revelation, though, uh, is that she already possesses some of these witchy abilities at this point. Yes. She seems to actually be able to put, like, a hex on this bomb. But this more than impresses Agatha. It was noticeable that you didn't see anything from Quicksilver in this moment as well. Like that's what I kept I kept trying to see if there was like something he was doing. But it was cool that you know he actually shouts out, "No, don't do this!" Like he knows that she has abilities as well. So it's something that maybe she played with in the past. Yeah. So that that's a good point. I did not notice that. Yeah, I was kind of looking for like Quicksilver to like speed up uh -huh. and like <laughs> drag her underneath, you know, the couch or whatever they're under. Um, in that moment, but obviously that didn't happen, so. Uh, but we'll see. We'll see if they end up, you know, saying that she's kind of a born mutant or it's something else that she possesses at this early age. Uh, but anyways, we end up fast-forwarding to when Hydra is doing experiments on Wanda and Pietro. We find out that her abilities have been, like, enhanced even more by her exposure to the Mind Stone. Uh, she sees this vision of this, like, glowing silhouette uh, of a being that looks like herself in her classic, like, you know, comic book costume. Uh -huh. uh, so I, right away, you know, I just started jumping on the speculation train, what that could possibly <laughs> mean. Uh, but we'll talk more about that in a little bit. Then we get a real touchy moment between her and Vision uh, just after her brother died. She's watching Malcolm in the Middle. Vision joins her and attempts to, like, console her. It's a real heart-wrenching moment that really helps to establish the depth of their relationship. I feel like it's a moment that we needed too, because we've only seen them together for just a handful of minutes on screen, honestly, before the show. So I, I really love that they put this moment in, you know, this episode. I like the callback to um, the Avengers where he actually like flies, no, or is it Civil War, where he just flies through the wall instead of using her door? Yes, 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 I, I noticed that <laughs> too, so... We then see what really happens when Wanda visits the sword facility looking for Vision's body. So that fucking Hayward guy is an asshole. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, Hayward lets her in and shows her Vision's body laying in pieces on the table. Uh, when she says he deserves a burial, Hayward tells her he's not putting three like billion dollars worth of vibranium into the ground, which I guess makes sense. But still, I mean, it feels like he's definitely trying to, like, manipulate her here yes. to get a reaction. I'm not sure what he's looking for. I don't know if, like, part of him wants to see if she can bring him back online. Uh, but it's just a heartbreaking scene. Uh, Wanda ends up crashing through the glass of the lab. And, like, you know, she touches, like, Vision's lifeless corpse only to realize that she can no longer sense him. Uh, mm -hmm. Then she just leaves, which is completely the opposite of what we saw in the video, you know, without Vision's body. So I thought this was really odd because 
you know, just a couple episodes ago, uh, Monica and them discovered that Hayward is tracking Vision using his, like, I don't know, vibranium. So if yeah. they don't have the body, if Wanda, you know, doesn't have his body, how is he doing that? Like, what is that? What is he tracking? Like, specifically, they said his decay signature, which would make me think, oh, she has, you know, a decaying version of Vision running around with her. That's why I was always thinking about. Yeah. But, I mean, if she brought him into existence, I don't, I don't, I don't know. Do you think that was, like, something that Hayward set up to, like, throw them off? What's really going on? I don't, there's, there's some, I have some issues with Hayward at the moment. Because I'm, I'm thinking, well, like, yeah, how he's much a of fucking this, asshole. Well, <laughs> Beyond that, I'm like, did he premeditatedly think of having her activate him when she was there? Or like, like how, how much, how far back did he think about Wanda possibly bringing back Vision? Like, I'm sure someone like that would think that's a possibility that Wanda would show up, obviously. So I think that's why he just said, well, I'm not going to try to fight her, you know, just invite her in and see Uh what we can get out of it. Because then we later on find out that he is trying to use her to a certain ends also. Yes. So, but we'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, so what even throws me for a bigger loop is seeing like Wanda like get into a car and drive away. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, so Wanda has a rental? Like, I was like, why isn't she just flying away? Right? Like, is I don't that know. Oh, you get tired, all right? <laughs> I guess. And then it's like just like I don't know, like such a normal plain car. You know, it's like it, Tony's just not paying these Avengers very much. <laughs> it's the same model car, though, that she has throughout all the decades that she has in the show. Oh, really? I didn't catch yes. that. That's a nice mm. catch. Because um, I was like, this is such a boring, like, four-door sedan. Like, <laughs> Tony's fucking riding around in a fucking La- Lamborghini. But I guess Wanda was technically on the run at that point and not affiliated uh-huh. with the Avengers. But I don't know. So, But, <laughs> uh, but anyway... She ends up driving through the town of Westview, um, but it looks much different. Uh, She sees some familiar faces, people that we've seen playing characters throughout the different seasons Mm -hmm. of the show. Uh, She ends up at an empty lot and reveals that Vision has, like, bought them a deed for, you know, this, like, piece of land before his death. We see, like, this heart shape on the document that looks very similar to the one that was like, on the calendar in the first episode. So that's what that whole thing was all about. People had, like, crazy theories about exactly what uh-huh. that was, so uh, that makes sense. Um, so then Wanda, in this, like, fit of grief, just explodes with her magic and manifests, like, the sitcom house, like we've seen out throughout the show, uh-huh. um, you know, extending her powers, like, morphing the entire Westview, and last but not least, like, bringing back you know, or, you know, making her own, like, brand new vision. So Agatha has the twins on this, like, mystical leash, uh, and she's come to this realization that Wanda is the Scarlet Witch, which is, I guess, the first time we've heard this name spoken in the MCU, um, which I didn't actually realize until this series. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, in the comics, it's just kind of a code name, but here it seems to be the title of, like, a powerful entity. And something that really scares Agatha. Um, this also could be a tie-in directly to Cthone, as in the comics, once again, there's this whole prophecy about chaos magic, you know, 
you know, and like a chaos magic wielding person who ends up mm-hmm. being the perfect vessel for Cthone's return to this dimension. So, but that's pure speculation. We'll <laughs> see if they go that route. They might do some kind of hybrid situation where they blend, you know, different stories and maybe they, you know, take Cthone out, throw Mephesto in, or, you know, maybe they don't tell that story at all. But I feel like if they're making Scarlet Witch this almost, I don't know, like cosmic like entity, it feels like they're going down that road. Especially with us knowing that Wanda's can be part of, you know, the Doctor Strange movie and possibly one of the villains. So it just feels very likely that, you know, Cthone has something to do with it or, you know, the Darkhold or some kind of yeah. entity. So something super powerful that, you know, is going to just cause fucking havoc on the time stream. Well, I mean, speaking of all that with, you know, Agatha seeming to be pretty scared of her in that scene, in that moment, uh, it made me think like, oh, well, then she's definitely not working with Cthone or at least not, you know, not too much in the dark realm if she's afraid to like not be trying to manipulate someone who has infinite amount of dark power within her well you know i was th- she might be villainous in a way where you know she you know uses magic to her own ends but at yes. the same time she knows what this means for you know the entire existence uh, you know of this you know universe yeah so i mean i agree 100 percent like and it, i mean right from the get-go we know that she's not the one behind everything because she's mm-hmm. more investigating what the hell's going on and that's probably why she's been kind of manipulating Wanda and Vision and all the events of the show the entire time. You know, uh, someone made a great comment about how, you know, Loki shows up for like two seconds and Doctor Strange is there. But a fucking, you know, hex realm pops up with infinite magic uh-huh. being used and it takes <laughs> Agatha Harkness to show up to, to investigate it. Yeah, I, <laughs> I still don't understand why we haven't seen any Avengers. I don't know, like, what the time frame, like, is this taking place over just a couple days or is this something that's like taking over, like, you know, taking place during like a week? Because it feels like after a certain amount of time, some Avengers going to show up. Like even fucking uh-huh. Hawkeye or someone <laughs> is going to like be like, "What the hell's going on?" Hayward's probably also trying to keep everything under wraps, though, so he yeah. can get what he wants out of this situation. Because then we go to the mid-credit scene and we see Hayward's reassembled Vision's corpse, now in all white. Uh, this is also another direct tie to the comics, which is pretty cool. It's from a storyline where Vision is reassembled by the Avengers after being destroyed, uh, you know, without his memories or abilities for emotions. So it feels like we're definitely going to end up, you know, heading towards a giant showdown, you know, in the last episode. But I agree 100%, like, where the fuck are the Avengers? (laughs) And maybe this showdown that takes place is what ends up being like a beacon, you know, to them. And that's where we get our supposed big, you know, cameo. It, it's probably just going to be Falcon and uh, Captain, uh, no, and uh, Winter Soldier. So anyway, the director, Matt Shakeman, though, has been kind of like doing damage control, I feel like, this past week in interviews. Uh, he mentions that Paul Bettany like, might have like really like, I don't know, shot himself in the foot with his comments about like working across from an actor that, you know, he's always wished he could have, you know, someone like of high caliber. Um, people are kind of speculating that he actually was, you know, trying to be funny uh-huh. and, and talking about himself. <laughs> uh, 
Shakeman also made the comment that, you know, people are going to be disappointed no matter what with the final episode, just because of, like, how high everyone's expectations are getting and, like, all the crazy different theories out there. Uh, you know, he even mentions the whole, like, aerospace engineer, um, you know, and he kind of implies that it was actually the uh, agent that brought Monica the vehicle to get into you know the pocket dimension so i don't know it it goes against what his cast is saying though. yeah because i mean <laughs> uh the actress who plays monica was like saying that she can't wait for people to see that like huge reveal you know of the whole like you know uh you know agent so I don't I don't know. I don't know what to believe. I don't know if he's, you know, you know, playing a game of smoke and mirrors here. And it's then, all the work, Damon. <laughs> maybe he's Mephisto. <laughs> um, and then also like Elizabeth Olsen. Didn't yes. she say something about yes, like a loop a Luke Skywalker level like, you know, cameo? So yeah. I feel like we're gonna get something, but it's probably not as grand as everyone's allowing their imaginations to like run away with. You know, theory-wise. Exactly. It's it's not the X-Men, guys. I promise. Yeah. No, it's definitely <laughs> not like the whole fucking team showing up in the Black uh-huh. So, <laughs> uh, But anyway, a whole lot of loose ends still left to, like, really tie up. Um, do you think we end this episode seeing, like, Vision brought back online with, like, Wanda merging her version of Vision that she created and this, like, you know, white vision that Hayward has put back together. I mean, I feel like she at least has to try, but I can't imagine this series ending positively. I no. Can't, you know, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be fucking tragic and epic. That's what mm. I think is going to end up happening. So um, it, it is a strong possibility that somewhere down the line, something like that ends up happening. Um but I don't think Vision's making it out of this episode alive. You yeah. know, not the at least the version that Wanda has like summoned up. Now, do you think that version? This is pure speculation. So, um, but that's what we do here. Do we think that Wanda possibly brought this Vision out of like the multiverse, or did she create him out of scratch? I'm I'm sticking with her creating him out of scratch. I don't think they're gonna pull him from another multiverse place. Now, it, it I mean, it makes sense because everything in the in the MCU seems to be heading that direction towards multiverse and everything. But I feel like this is just she purely made him, and that's going to be some type of explanation to how her powers kind of work, how she's able to manipulate reality. Yeah. I'm also terrified that um it's gonna end with the hex closing. And she's gonna watch her kids and Vision like be torn apart. Oh God! <laughs> <laughs> we don't need child death like at the end of the episode. I mean, maybe they just disappear, but I want to see them like <laughs> torn apart in front of her eyes. Uh, now we do know that in the comic books, you know, Mephisto ends up like absorbing, mm-hmm. reabsorbing their souls. But they end up being reincarnated in other bodies. It's very convoluted uh, later on and showing up in the Young Avengers. So I feel like that's still going to happen. So I feel like they're going to eventually survive somehow, even though if the show doesn't like lead you to believe that. The, what we know of the MCU and what's like coming up in like 
all the future films and shows it seems like every single one of them has like a young avenger attached to it at this mm. point yeah so i we're definitely building to like you know them showing up like in a film or that team forming eventually um even maybe in a show so we'll see what happens though back to the multiverse though uh, okay. So Agatha mentions Pietro, which is, you know, her fun name for, you know, the fake Pietro, um, that he's not actually like, I guess he's being mind controlled by her. So where did he come from, though? Like, is is she that powerful where she can mind control someone and give them abilities? I... I don't know, because you, you'd still think maybe she conjured him through using the multiverse, like pulling him out. But And that that theory is what's kind of leading me to think, like, well, did Wanda actually pull, like, a vision from the multiverse? Like, if she's able to do that, then why couldn't she summon, you know, a different vision? Hmm. Um, but it does feel like a stretch, you know, with me even saying that out loud. Uh, but I guess only time will tell. But there's just so many fucking loose ends to really, you know. And I was like, oh my god. They were like, they, they made a big deal out of it. Like, oh, this episode's gonna be 50 minutes long. I'm like, that's not long enough. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we need, like, a feature-length film, like, to, you know, to really, like, give us proper closure. But we know this is all going to lead to, you know, Doctor Strange's multi-person mm. madness anyway, so... Uh, there's been rumors that they're thinking about doing a Scarlet Witch film, though, since the the positive reception for this really? show. Yeah. Huh. I don't know. I don't know. You know, <laughs> I don't. Well, I don't know what story is left to be told. Mm -hmm. You know, is it going to be more of, you know, Wanda breaking down? So I, I'm up for it, though. I mean, hell, if they got the right story to tell, it just feels like they're covering a lot of her like main storylines yes. right now. So, um, and I just, I don't want to see this character go through any more fucking tragedy. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> this poor woman. I also thought it was pretty interesting that Vision's being powered by the arc reactors, like one of uh, Tony's. Uh, and I do think it's kind of interesting that other companies and people now have the technology to make it so small to be able to fit into where a Mind Stone would have been on, on Vision, you know? Yeah, I did not notice that in the episode. I, you know, saw, like, some kind of photo of, like, someone pointing that out, like, the similarities. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, yeah, especially to, like, power of being as powerful as Vision. That, that would be quite a feat. But, I mean, we know that S.W.O.R.D. is definitely dabbling with alien, like technology and shit like that so who this knows what they're really like capable of what what do you think would be the end goal with using vision like what would they possibly want to use him for well i mean he's an amazing like weapon to have at your disposal but at the same time you're fucking around with a being that could eventually become another version of ultron yeah exactly especially without his like original personality and memories and emotions i mean it's a dangerous road to travel so I, we'll see what comes out of it. I mean, in the comics, that is not what ends up happening. Um, but, you know, the comics is a whole different like beast. Nah. There's a whole there's a whole thing where, you know, the vision, the original vision gets like his personality traits from like a like mapping of Wonder Man's like brain. And like the whole reason why he doesn't get his emotions back is because Wonder Man doesn't want to allow the Avengers to like remap his brain 
this salvage version of Vision because secretly he has feelings for Wanda. Now, obviously, I don't think they're touching any of those storylines <laughs> and they haven't because this version of Vision is different because he's powered by, you know, Jarvis's personality and the Mind Stone. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, now it'll be interesting to find out exactly what Sword's motives really are with, you know, bringing back Vision because um, they're definitely breaking the Sokovia Accords by doing so. Uh, there's also a lot of theories out there that Hayward's actually a scroll, um, or he's actually Mephisto. But I mean, at this point, everyone has been kind of like <laughs> exactly <laughs> deemed Mephisto in this like series. So I guess only time will tell. All right. Well, we reviewed a couple movies this week. Damon, what did you watch? Uh, I watched the horror film The Vigil. Spoiler alert. Reviews contain spoilers for The Vigil and Wrong Turn. You have been warned. And now, our feature presentation. There's something evil in this house. We have to go now. It won't let you leave. What won't let me leave? If you run out, the magic will make you crawl right back. A man providing overnight watch to a deceased member of his former Orthodox Jewish community finds himself opposite a malevolent entity. This was written and directed by Keith Thomas and stars Dave Davis. So the vigil is a spiritual journey of grief, guilt, and perseverance that takes place over one terrifying night. Our main character, Yaakov, is a former Orthodox Jew who's now struggling with the outside world after a horrible tragedy has consumed his faith. Failing to make ends meet in his new life, Yaakov is forced to accept a job as a shomer from a friend who wishes to use this experience to perhaps guide him back to his ascetic Jewish community. The shomer is a tradition of one guarding a recently deceased body against evil spirits until they can be buried. The body is that of Holocaust survivor Mr. Litvik. Soon as he arrives, Yakov discovers that he was hired because the shomer before him fled out of fear. But this revelation does not sway Yakov since he's so desperate to keep his head above water, even after being warned by the widow Mrs. Litvik to leave as soon as possible. Yakov ends up regretting this decision almost instantly as the night begins, as he comes face to face with the demonic parasite Mazik, who after the death of Mr. Litvik is looking for a new host. So The Vigil is the impressive debut of writer-director Keith Thomas. Now, while he doesn't necessarily reinvent the will when it comes to the possession subgenre, he really instead leans into it and highlights what makes these films so effective and unsettling when done right. He dares to take the time to build a rich, dark atmosphere that sets the stage for some really blood-chilling scares. Yes, all the classic tropes are here, but just executed with the kind of flair that makes you remember why they became tropes in the first place. And it really feels like Thomas is kind of celebrating them in a way. Uh, also, the choice to tell the story under the lens of Orthodox Judaism, along with all of its rituals and folklore, is a refreshing 
refreshing one. I mean, so many of these religious-based horror films choose Catholicism to tell their stories, which is fine, but this different perspective and set of traditions added a new layer to a familiar story of a crisis of faith. And really, it's because the vigil's core theme of trauma and grief is powerful and universally relatable. While Yakov's moving spiritual journey is the heart of the film, Thomas also surrounds it with some memorable frights that never feel cookie cutter, which is saying a lot for a subgenre that's seen it all really. The sound design and score by Michael Grzynski definitely deserves its fair share of, of the credit um, since it's persistently building this sense of dread throughout the film. And it's really well done. Uh, Dave Davis, who plays Yakov, gives a grounded, heartbreaking performance, which makes his battle with the demonic entity Mazik, uh, who's described as feeding off the suffering of broken souls, <laughs> that's just terrifying, uh, even more harrowing as you're truly just rooting for him to find his path again. I mean, my only real criticism of the film is the pacing of some of the scares and scenes in the third act. So much is happening at times, I wish we had a few moments here and there to really breathe and reflect on what's going on. While the scenes still work overall, I think it would have made them resonate even more. Um, but honestly, besides that, The Vigil is a horrifying yet deep personal journey that gave me everything I wanted and more. All right, Damon, what grade would you give this movie? So I'm going to give The Vigil an A-. minus. It's one of the better possession movies we've gotten in a long time, which is saying a lot because it's not an easy subgenre to pull off. So definitely go ahead and check this film out. Um, it's currently streaming on VOD. Today's podcast is presented by Pago. Hey, if you're a fellow podcaster, let me tell you about Podgo. Podgo is the easiest way for you to monetize your podcast. That's right. They're providing podcasters with a flat rate for ad space, so you always know how much you get when you include an ad from Podgo. Apply today and become a member and immediately be connected with advertisers that fit your audience. That's podgo.co at P-O-D-G-O dot C-O. And let them know the nerds sent you by adding our podcast, The Amazing Nerd Show, in the How Did You Hear About Podgo section of the application. Once again, that's podgo.co at P-O-D-G-O dot C-O. Christian, you also saw a film this week. Yeah, that's right. I saw Wrong Turn, the 2021 remake. We don't bother them. They don't bother us. But anyone who goes up there, what is this place? They don't come back. Friends hiking the Appalachian Trail are confronted by the Foundation, a community of people who have lived in the mountains for hundreds of years. This film is directed by Mike P. Nelson and written by Alan McElroy. Honestly, I feel like I can be kind of lenient when it comes to horror films. I came into the remake of Wrong Turn not really being able to recall if I have seen the original, so I had zero expectations for this movie in general. After about a five minute exposition dump to start the movie, I felt like I was prepared for some woodland death scenes. 
However, what I didn't notice were all the warning signs that were so obviously there that this movie wasn't going to be that great of a time. The 2021 remake follows a group of six millennials going on a hiking trip in the wrong neck of the woods. After the sudden death of one of their friends thanks to a log trap, the group goes on high alert and ultimately kills a guy they run into in the woods after an entanglement with another member of their group. What we later find out is this guy was trying to help them and is a part of a society that lives off the grid in the woods called the Foundation. The Foundation upset captures our youthful group of college grads and puts them on trial with pretty much two choices, die or be blinded and walk through a fucking cave with no food and no sense of direction. In a last ditch effort to save themselves, two of the remaining six offer themselves up to the society as useful citizens, one becoming the Foundation leader's new wife. Meanwhile, the new wife's dad is on the hunt this whole time after not hearing from his daughter for about six weeks. From here, it's almost like a completely new movie as the dad and daughter make their escape from the Foundation. The film itself is kinda all over the place. It doesn't know who it wants to be the villain until the last 30 minutes, in which it makes the Foundation its villain. Actor performances are kinda laughable, having terrible reactions to horrific events unfolding. At the same time, the pace is way too fast, and that's mainly because it's attempting to jam in as much story as it can. Effects-wise, it seems someone learned how to do a great caved-in head look and decided, hey, every death must be from head trauma. Don't get me wrong, it looked cool in some scenes, but overall, you know, kind of unimaginative when every death is the same. And I guess that's kind of the word for this movie, either that or unoriginal, as it feels like I've definitely seen this before. Honestly, one quick call to the US government stating there's a bunch of non-taxpaying citizens living off the grid and killing trespassers in Virginia, and you pretty much solve your foundation problem. Well, Christian, that just sounds awful. What would you give this film? Well, for my grade, it wasn't the, the worst movie I've ever seen, but it still wasn't that great, and I definitely can't say I recommend it for anyone. So I'm going to give it a D minus. All right, ladies and gentlemen, it's that time again. It's time for Christian's Corner. This last week in gaming, we finally saw things slow down a bit after multiple game events from Nintendo and PlayStation. But one to never be outshined, Rockstar's GTA V makes waves again as a new port for next-gen consoles is announced. Grand Theft Auto V is probably the most successful piece of media out there ever, bringing in a whopping $6 billion to parent company Take-Two Interactive. GTA has outsold franchises like Star Wars and more. It's no surprise that this mega hit of a game is continuing to be made available on every system possible, even eight years after its launch. At this point, I'm looking at GTA the same way I look at Skyrim, you know, with how many times it's been re-released. And I'm also asking, just like everyone else, where the hell is GTA 6? But with GTA 5 and GTA Online being so successful, why would Rockstar rush with another title? More content continues to flow through the pipeline for GTA Online, and rumors have sparked thanks to voice actors for Michael and Franklin stating that they are you know, returning for GTA Online possibly, having stated this on a recent livestream. It has also been noted over the last couple of years that parent company you know, Take-Two has about 90 plus games set for release over the next five years. 
Uh, therefore, you know, what incentive do they really have to push another GTA, especially if that will only affect the revenue it currently gets from GTA Online? You know what they say, don't fix what isn't broken. Even with all that said, GTA 6 is still most definitely in development and will come out when most advantageous for both Rockstar and Take-Two, whenever that may be. Strauss Zelnick, the CEO of Take-Two Interactive, also stated that GTA 5's presence on next-gen won't be a simple port, yet they will remaster it and give it you know, the most polish that they possibly can and utilize you know, the full extent of next-gen power. The updated version of GTA 5 is slated for the second half of 2021. I know as a gamer myself, I haven't personally touched GTA 5 in maybe three years at this point. There have been plenty of other games to dive into, but the thought of what Rockstar may have for us in GTA 6 is exciting. After all, Red Dead Redemption 2 is by far one of the most polished games out there, and so unbelievably immersive. And I'm all about falling into another world when playing a game. Speaking of which, you can catch The Amazing Nerd Show on Twitch where I, Christian, play immersive games like Witcher and more. This weekend we again attempt to beat Scott Pilgrim and True Crime while also continuing our adventure to find Ciri in The Witcher 3. Next week I'm planning on having a bonus stream for some retro games and looking to start another game on stream. Follow at Amazing Nerd Live on Twitter for full updates on the streaming side of Amazing Nerd Show. And make sure to follow us on Twitch to catch all of our gameplay streams. Alright, now on to wrestling. Take this title home to your kids, to your family, this is your legacy. You're the man, you're Bobby Lashley, the cheater, officer of the hurt business, unstoppable, unbreakable, unbeatable, unbeatable, indestructible Bobby Lashley. I love you guys, man. So, Christian, this feels like the first week in a long time that we don't actually have, like, a pay-per-view to cover, right? <laughs> yes, thank God, but, I mean, we're, we're approaching another one. It feels but like... I'm, I'm looking forward to that. No, one. it really feels like two months straight of pay-per-views. I know that's yes. not the case, but I don't know. I, I, it, was, it was refreshing not to have to watch uh -huh. a pay-per-view this past Sunday. So, uh, but we do have some news that we want to get into. Uh, there's a huge rumor right now that NXT is going to be moving to a new night, and that's Tuesday. This could possibly take place the week after WrestleMania. Um, I guess this was something that was discussed in late February, and it has to do with the uh, NBC Sports Network um, going out right now. So there's going to be a lot more sports content being pushed on the USA, and a lot of like the um, sports schedule dictates games on Wednesday nights, mm -hmm. like hockey and whatnot. So um, that's probably one of the possible reasons this is happening. But I'm also going to do a Barry Horowitz here and pat myself on the fucking back because this is <laughs> this is one of my predictions for a uh -huh. year end show for this year. <laughs> congrats. Congrats. Now, while I do think this is going to benefit both brands ratings wise, I think NXT is actually going to benefit more. Not to say that they're going to all of a sudden be like beating AEW in the ratings or anything, but I feel like AEW fans are more likely to go and watch NXT on Tuesday nights than like NXT fans are going to like go and watch like AEW on Wednesdays. Um, just because I feel like it's such a different like, I don't know, age group. You know, NXT mm -hmm. has a lot more older fans who are more into like the traditional style of wrestling who would just be like completely turned off by AEW where AEW fans, I feel like do appreciate a lot of the wrestlers on NXT and 
would be more willing to you know watch the show no exactly uh with with usa bringing up more um you know sports and stuff on wednesdays do you think that could possibly also draw away more people from AEW if if there are a lot because like we as we've seen with wwe when there's a sports event going on it it hurts their ratings in general. um it depends on what the sports event is it's not football mm. or anything like that so um and AEW usually does pretty well against sports like basketball and hockey okay so so far that hasn't been an issue but that doesn't mean that it won't be at some point but i mean only time will tell really so also this week on Raw, Miz's one-week reign as the WWE champion came to an end as Bobby Lashley finally captured the title um, after all these years. Uh, they did this in, like, just, I don't know, the most grueling, unentertaining fashion possible, really just stretching it out throughout the episode, trying to get people to tune into every fucking hour. It started off with Miz, like, supposedly, like, having to face Bobby at the end of the first hour. He fakes a stomach ache. Just, I mean, my God. Like, I mean, I know it's part of Miz's character to be a coward, but this really didn't him no favors whatsoever. He fakes mm-hmm. a stomach ache. Um, Adam Pierce comes in, you know, tells him that he needs to compete uh, the next hour. So they do this countdown clock, and it's really strange the way they use it. They put it on the match before you know the championship match so yeah. it totally tells you like how long like that <laughs> match is gonna be so it's like oh okay well we know these guys have like four minutes like it's like why would you even bother doing that i know they're just trying to get ratings but i don't know it was just so idiotic um miz comes out the second time though in the second hour and he gets in the ring they ring the bell Miz grabs the title and just fucking runs for it um, out of the arena, supposedly. Um, Adam Pierce later on meets with Shane McMahon at the top of the third hour. Shane McMahon says Miz has to defend the belt at the end of the show or he's going to get stripped, you know, of it. And it's going to be rewarded to Bobby Lashley. So the Miz ends up showing up at the end of the show. Uh, they have another surprise up their sleeve. They end up sending out a bunch of lumberjacks. Miz still like tries to get disqualified when the bells ring by hitting like Lashley with the bell, but he whiffs. Um, and Lashley then just no sells everything that the Miz does and just dominates him and wins the title. Um, I was Woo. super happy for Lashley. I just wish like he actually like seemed like he earned the belt in a real match against someone like important. Yeah. Because it's kind of like, well, who the fuck did you beat? You know, this fucking coward who's like avoiding everyone. <laughs> and like, it's not like they built up the Miz before this title reign, you know, before him cashing in, you know, the money in the bank. Uh, you know, it just was total like luck of the draw. And he's been doing nothing but losing all year long. If this was like two years ago when he was on that hot, hot streak and he was actually being pushed and we felt like he was deserving of the belt, that'd be a different story. But that's not the case here. The Miz is a soldier, and he does what he's told. <laughs> and my God, I just, I, I, it really let left me feeling sorry for him because mm-hmm. I was like, man, you deserve so much better than this. Like, I don't want to see him as the champion like long term. Um, and I honestly, after that second, you know, uh, t- match where he ran out, I actually turned off the TV. I was like, I can't deal with this. <laughs> <laughs> they were going to string this out for the entire month until Fastlane. 
was like, I'm not going to be able to watch Raw for the next like three weeks. <laughs> so I was only until I saw that Lashley won on social media that I went back and watched like the last hour of Raw. So, uh, but he just, I don't know. He deserves better than this. He really does. <laughs> just, I don't know. It feels like character assassination. Wait, for The Miz or for? For The Miz. For oh, the Miz. Okay. Well, I mean, Lashley yeah. deserves better than this, too. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> but I feel like he's definitely going to be carrying this belt to WrestleMania facing Drew now. Yes, but it feels obvious that Drew is just to take it from him. Yeah. I mean, hopefully after the fact they can get into like a bigger like program and we can mm-hmm. see Lashley in that title picture, for, you know, for the rest of his career in the WWE because um, he's been so underutilized. It hasn't been t- like till he really joined up with MVP that you know, they finally been like properly using him as a character because those first two years you know, back with, you know, the company just feels like such a fucking waste. You remember all the shit with Sami Zayn? Yes. Oh, my God. What a nightmare. That poor guy. And he was such <laughs> a beast in, like, Impact. You uh, know, they used him the right way in Impact. They don't even well, mention his, like, mixed martial arts career here. Like, it's, no. it doesn't make any fucking sense. You think they would have utilized all of that, you know, especially the MMA background and stuff like that, since they, you know, go so hard on that stuff when it comes to Brock and even when uh, Riddle first showed up. Like, I mean, fans are idiots. All they have to say is that, you know, he's been fighting around the world, you know, winning championships, you know, in wrestling and mixed martial arts. You just have to mention it once or twice. That's it. Yeah. You know, put the guy over. There's no reason not to use it to build the guy. But in the long run, this is kind of where I was hoping that they would end up. I don't know what this means for a title match at Fastlane or if there will even be a title match. I don't know if they are going to do some kind of like number one contenders match between Drew and maybe Sheamus. Uh, They had an awesome match to start off Raw last week, but there was like a definitive winner. Like, you know, Drew ended up beating him one, two, three with this finish. So... They also didn't do Sheamus any favors. So I don't really want to see that match again. But I, I just feels like Lashley either needs to just dominate over the last, you know, couple, you know, what couple weeks or four or five weeks to, to Mania. Um, and, you know, you need to build up Drew again. So, I mean, it, but it just feels like this is going to be the like, you know, re-coronation of McIntyre, you know, finally in front of fans. Exactly. I feel like at Fastlane, they always do those like weird, like fat five pack challenges and shit like that. Mm. So I, that's what I kind of imagine will happen if it's going to be like for a, uh, a number one contendership. So yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Who the fuck knows? I mean, I, I mm. guarantee you they don't at this point. So, <laughs> well, speaking of not knowing what the hell's going on, um, on AEW, the big show made his debut, or should I say Paul White? No BS is his his, his <laughs> motto, uh, which I actually thought was kind of cute. Uh, but mm, he um, it's BS that he's here. But yeah, continue. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. It's, it's fine. fine. He'll be a good spokesperson for him. He's mostly doing commentating. He'll probably work yes. an occasional match. But I mean, it's nice to have like recognizable names out there to do press for you. So I don't think it's going to hurt anyone. I just hope that they didn't like give him the fucking farm to sign with AEW. Now, we don't even know how much Tony Khan like has in the budget and he's got just as much money as McMahon. So, I mean, uh-huh. I'm sure he won't be crying poor anytime soon. So, <laughs> I mean, maybe Daddy like, you know, opened up the, you know, purse strings a little for him. So, uh but anyway, during his promo, 
The Big Show said that he had this huge scoop uh, that he knows that there is a Hall of Fame caliber talent about to sign with AEW during uh, Revolution. So I have no clue who this could be. Christian, do you have any speculations? I mean, I have a few guesses, but the fact that they say it's a Hall of Fame caliber talent means it's someone who's probably, you know, who's been in the business a while. Yeah. Doesn't mean they're necessarily retired, because I do feel like they've got a lot of retired wrestlers right now, you know, and it's fine, um, but I don't want them to sign too many people where it's taking away, you know, spotlight from some of the younger guys. Um... I could see it being maybe someone who's probably not going to be around too often, maybe like a Batista, um, you know, someone who's got a career outside, but will be able to come in every once in a while to do a random storyline here or there. Well, that would be huge as Batista, mm-hmm. but we do know that he's retired officially. So ah. I, if they do sign Batista, I feel like it would just be as an on-air personality. Mm. I just I don't know I can't see that just because I feel like he's (laughs) so dedicated to not the WWE per se but like Hunter ah you know Uh, so like he really wanted to have his last match against Hunter and everything and I feel like he's just got this like loyalty to him at least um what about someone like Kurt Angle just hearing talk in like interviews he's really not happy with like how he went out in like you know d- the wwe and he feels like yeah. he was underutilized i don't blame him so no <laughs> I, I i actually i've been listening to his podcast and i forgot about the way they kind of just wasted him away the last mm-hmm. couple years as gm um just so disappointing because i had some really big aspirations for him like another title reign and everything and you look at the way that they've treated other big name talents like his it makes no sense why they ended up fucking just jobbing him out the way they did. So, um, but I don't know. Uh, I, I could see him wanting to get a proper send off maybe and wrestling, you know, a few more matches, but once again, you know, it kind of goes back to like, you know, is that going to be someone else to steal the spotlight? I mean, for the most part, they've used their older wrestlers. Well, and I appreciate that they don't humiliate them like the WWE does all the fucking time. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's one of the reasons people have been kind of like guessing that the Big Show left the company was the last time we saw him was just being completely punked out by Randy Orton. Um, I just, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, what about Christian? Um, We saw him, you know, make his comeback at the Royal Rumble. We yes. have not seen him since then. I don't know what his contract status was. I don't know if he had a Legends deal or what, so, you know, whatever. Um, but he looks like he's ready to fucking go again. And he's the kind of exactly. wrestler who makes everyone better around him. So if he wants another run and he wants to actually have an opportunity and get some fucking respect, it feels like AEW would be a good fit for him. Yes, but at the same time, you know, we have a big story with Edge coming up. And I feel like WWE of all people would want to use Christian as much as possible as a you know anchor for like Roman Reigns to like punish someone. Well, exactly. (laughs) But maybe that's why Christian was like, "No, you're not going to waste my fucking comeback, you know, being a whooping boy to get over (laughs) this, you know, program with Edge. You know, I want to do my own thing, and I want to go out 
you know, the way I want to go out. So I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. I guess. I, I mean, I don't have any other names that I can think of, though, off the top of my head. Now, it does seem like a tradition with all of AEW's gimmick matches that they have some kind of, like, surprise entry. Uh, we know that they're going to be doing, like, the face of AEW match for, like, the number one contendership. Now we know Cody Rhodes, Lance Armstrong, um, Scorpio Sky, a few other names that I can't think of off the top of my head are involved in this match, but... You know, hey, Christian knows how to do ladder matches, right? Yes, yes, he does. <laughs> <laughs> um, man, I, I'm trying to think of because, uh, of course, people immediately started commenting. Oh, what if it's CM Punk? I don't think it's CM no. Punk whatsoever. Um, <sighs> I, I, I don't know why my brain keeps saying, "Hey, what if what if John Cena wanted to just fuck over WWE?" <laughs> now. It's not John Cena, but he does have a show that's going to be on TNT. Uh huh. So I'd be curious <laughs> to see if they ever ask him to do like press on AEW. Exactly. Like, there's no way he'll do he's, it. He's under contract with you know WWE. So <laughs> I'm sure there's a clause there. Um, I don't know, man. He's been doing a lot of work with WB lately and everything. <laughs> um, I'm not. Yeah, but besides that, I mean, could it be someone from like New Japan? coming over possible but they're saying that they're under contract so i don't know i've got hmm. nothing man i'm drawing a blank i mean unless this is like their way of being like okada's coming or something i don't know but would they actually sign okada i i mean how does that work? i would no i know <laughs> but it's not like he's i mean he's under contract still with new japan <sighs> true that would be insane and there's that would just ruin their working agreements <laughs> if, they, <laughs> if they sign Akata from underneath them. Um, well, it could all just be you know a fake signing. It doesn't have to I technically guess. be real. But the, if you say he's signed, then he's got to show up on your show on a regular basis at least, because then people are going to be like, "Why aren't you using Okada?" <laughs> right? Um, mm-hmm. What about Mark Henry? He was another one who was like humiliated on that like Raw uh, reunion show. A couple of weeks ago. I mean, and that was horrible. That was yeah. horrible. Like he like drove <laughs> off on his little cart with his head down and shit. That was awful. He did come out after that saying that he can't go out that way and that he needs to have another match. But I feel he's um, so loyal to WWE once again. Yeah. <laughs> unless he was just that upset about that, you know, spot. I don't know. I feel like he would rather put over someone in WWE. Like I, I see him doing that. Yeah. Before going to another company, yeah. uh, Bully Ray's out there. Um, you know he's a good competitor. I, I could. I could. <laughs> he's got some gas left in the tank, but he's already a Hall of Famer. I feel like what shows talking about someone who is you know has potential to be in the Hall of Fame, uh-huh. but not yet there. Um, but I feel like Bully Ray would be a good fit. He could definitely work as an agent. Also, I would love to see that like impact version of that character, like the Bully character on AEW. I always feel like it was such a waste of WWE not to use that character, you know, on their brand. So, um, I don't know. I think he brings a lot to the table, no pun intended. But, I don't know. We'll see, I guess. Um, We're just throwing shit against the wall, though, at this point. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Watch, it's going to be Hornswoggle. Oh, God. (laughs) I would. It was Hornswoggle all Uh along. (laughs) Ugh. Uh. 
Well, that's it wrestling-wise. We'll be back next week reviewing AEW's Revolution. Well, that does it for this week. That's right, and as a friendly reminder, if you're listening to us on your favorite podcast platform, remember to subscribe, rate, and give us a five-star review. Exactly. It sure does help an independent podcast like ours to continue to grow. And while you're at it, make sure to tell a friend. Plus, if you like any of the stories we talked about on this week's episode, make sure to check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter to catch the full articles, trailers, memes, and more. That's right. You can follow us at Amazing Nerd Show on all social media platforms. And hey, if you're looking for extra content, make sure to catch our streams every weekend on Twitch, plus YouTube videos Monday through Friday. Want to support the show further? You can head over to tpublic.com and get yourself some amazing Nerd Show merch. We've got t-shirts, hoodies, stickers, and more. And if you post what you bought and tag us on social media, we'll send you some additional nerd swag if you live in the United States. Well, all right, Damon, what are we talking about next week? Well, Christian, it's finally here. We're going to be dissecting the finale of WandaVision. Hell yeah, and we'll also be giving our review for AEW Revolution. My name's Christian. And my name's Damon. And that was The Amazing Nerd Show. Carpet Day! Huh? No!